0: This is a show for missionary disciples who worship Christ in the Eucharist and serve him in their neighbor, for whom the words of the Creed reverberate through their daily activity. This is a show for those like you and me who make the conscious choice to follow Christ outside the walls. We spent the last couple of weeks talking about the Catholic intellectual tradition and the importance of forming ourselves in our faith and increasing our knowledge of faith. Today, we're going to talk about increasing our faith in a different way, and that's through the process of discernment. Um, so often we have our society telling us that we have to be ready, right? You gotta, you've got you got to face the world. You've got to go out. You've got to put on a brave face and and make it happen. And it's just a very active kind of process that wears you out. And the church for the long time has had this this tradition of sitting back and contemplating and being in prayer for the purpose of then being able to go out and act, to take some time to discern. That's something that our society doesn't like very much, and it's hard to give ourselves permission and our children permission to take the moment, to take a season, and spend time in prayer and discernment. But this is very important because we're called... Into a vocation, God calls us and gives us a charism at our confirmation, calling us into something that He's made specifically for us. We don't just go and get married because, hey, it's the next thing to do, and that's I've got to check off my list: go to college, get married, get into my career. Rather, uh, the church is asking us and is even revamping the the marriage process to have kind of a catechumenate to it, to give us time to discern whether that's really our vocation or whether there's some other vocation that God's calling us into. Recently, I was made aware of a project called the Fiat Project, put on by the Salesian Sisters of St. John Bosco, specifically in the Western province, uh, that is making space just for that. Not necessarily so much a vocation's drive, although I'm sure that there's going to be some who will discern their vocation to the Salesians through this process, but rather making a space for women in their 20s and 30s to take a step back, to walk with others, to have some spiritual direction, and to discern their vocation. So I wanted to talk with a couple of the sisters who involve, who are involved with that. First is Sister Sydney Moss, who is the director of VITES US. Vidas.us is one of the volunteer programs of the Salesians. And then also uh, Sister Bernadette Moda, who is the director of mission advancement for the Salesians in the Western province. Thank you both for joining us today.
1: Thanks for having Thank us.
0: You. So um, we often hear about uh, vocations and and helping people to discern their vocations and having a vocations office. Uh, We know that from our, that maybe there's a diocesan vocations office. Uh, But one of the things that I've really been frustrated about in that, that structure, that diocesan structure for vocations is there is a centralized place for young men to go and to discern their vocation. But because the vocations of women's religious generally reside with the order there's not really a centralized place that someone in the diocese could say, I'd like to look into this more. Uh, and so I love that you are creating that space. Talk to me a little bit about how did it, this this specific project, the, the uh, FIAT project, come to be? All
2: right. And uh, what you're saying is, is very true, that in most dioceses, there is not a space for women to really discern. And uh, so the FIAT project, came out of a need where we saw a lot of young adults who were begging us, begging the church to accompany them, to walk with them, to help them in whatever path they were going according to God's plan for them. So what we're doing prior to the Fiat project, we were running a group for young adults out of the diocese of Colorado Springs to help young adults learn how to hear the voice of God so that they can respond and accept their mission that God was calling them to. And it was a great program. Yeah. And then, uh, But we realized that there was a little bit of lacking in terms of helping them to discern further in their vocation, too. So it helped them to learn how to hear God's voice and to have a more committed, uh, just just to be more committed in the relationship with Christ um, through the church, through the sacraments. And it was, again, it was good, but it was missing a component, which was helping them to discern further in their religious vocation or married life or whatever it may be. Um, and oftentimes how you're saying, um, oftentimes in dioceses they have programs to help people to discern the priesthood or maybe even religious life. But before they can even get to that point, they need to learn how to, to discern in general. Mm-hmm. And so that's where the Fiat Project came. We said we need to blend those two together. First teach young adults how to discern, how to say, God, what do you want from me? Rather than listening to the world and saying this is what I need to do and I'm going to do this and then all this stuff. It's no, God, what do you want from me in this situation, in this relationship, in this encounter? What are you calling me to? How are you calling me to be? And then thereafter, how, you know, what what is my vocation in life? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, but that first step of learning how to discern is so essential. Well, so that's what we do through the Free Up Project.
0: It comes with such a big risk to mm-hmm. to present yourself to God and say, God, what is it that you want me to do? We have uh, these imaginations that God's going to find that thing that makes us the most uncomfortable. And that's the thing he's going to pick for us. Right? So we operate in this level of fear of if I go and say, God, you can do anything that, that he might actually do that. And it's going to be something that, that makes me miserable. Um, and of course, you who have discerned your vocation and are living it out fully, you know that, that grace builds upon nature and that God put this nature into us because he knows the thing that will most fulfill us. But there is this this tendency for us to say, well, okay, I'm going to uh, dream up my life and I'm going to make my plans and then I'm going to present those plans to God and let him put his stamp of approval on it so that I can say that I consulted God rather than what you're saying, sitting there and saying, God, what is it that you that you— want me to do. And that's how have you found that process um, to be received by those who go through the program?
2: Yeah, it is challenging for most people at first. I know for even for me, when I was discerning, I had a hard time with that Uh, because, you know, I I pretty much said, God, yes, I want to do your will. Just don't ask me to be a sister. (laughs) And that's pretty much what I told them. Yeah. And uh, and so it was through learning how to listen to God rather than just to what what the outside world was telling me or what, what I was telling myself too. Um, and so once they go through the process and really allow God to be God in them and are open to the Holy spirit, uh, you can see just a light shining in them that they were They become just so much more um, free, mm-hmm. free of anything that they were clinging to before, because they also had to let go of things that they were again, holding on to to be able to to really hear god's voice and um and just to have that freedom of um of that holy indifference where they're not you know putting their how you're saying you know their project before God and saying please stamp this now yeah this it's ready for you um and so yeah it's it does take effort though it's not and that's why for our their fia project we make it an eight-month commitment because it's not going to happen overnight it's not going to happen in a week it takes time. And even after eight months, you know, it's, it's not quite over, but for some at that point, they're ready for a next step.
0: Now uh, it would be delightful for everyone to be able to take an eight month stint where they go and, and immerse themselves away from the world or fully invest in the life of, uh, of sisterhood. But that's not what this project is. No, (laughs) This, this is kind of like continuing education, uh, night classes, um, and, and could even be done online to where it's not something that you have to pick up your life and move it across, uh, to some other state or some other place. You can do this process of discernment right where you are at your stage and at your state in life.
1: Yeah. I think that's one of the biggest benefits for the program. When I was discerning, I was a closet discerner, by the way, I did not want anyone to know I was discerning, did not want to be a sister, just like sister Bernadette And I kept thinking like after college, you know, I would work for a year and then I would think at the end of that year, I would know what God wanted me to do with my life. And so I'd go visit a convent and I'd be there and just say, nope, not for me. I'd come home and say, all right, God, I tried. It's not for me. And then I'd work another year, but still be so restless. I'm like, okay, God, what do you want now? I'd go visit another community. Nope, not for me. And so I kept thinking, you know, like, here's my timeline of how I want this to work out. And I would just go for a weekend somewhere to check it out and it was just not the right fit. So I thought, not for me. So the the beauty of the Fiat Project is that all of these young women, they're still living wherever they live. They're working, they're going to school. Whatever responsibilities they have, they don't leave those to just go off to a weekend retreat or a week-long conference. It is living their normal life and working through all of this to see where God's calling them. Um, Because we recognize that you know discernment, it is one of the one of the really good books, actually, that I read when I was discerning, I always recommend it. Father Michael Scanlon, What Does God Want? And he talks about these five C's, and one of them is conformity. And so you have to look at your life and see, does this is it conforming like to what I've already done with my life? So we're not asking them to leave what they're doing. Stay where you are and see how Christ is calling you and what you're doing right now, because that's going to give you more clarity than coming in and living with us for like a week. You'll have much more clarity where you are, working through all of these different um, sessions and assignments, because a lot of it is, is a lot of uh, looking into themselves and examining their their personal story and being able to see where Christ has been in that, in the good times and the bad, because to be able to discern your actual vocation, you first have to really kind of be more integral, be a more integral person, to be able to integrate your whole story and recognize how where Christ is through all of that, so...
0: Yeah. So you you answered part of this next question that I was already planning, uh, Sister Sydney. I'm curious, what did your picture of sisterhood look like? Because typically when we come into a discernment process, we either make that whole plan and try to give it to God and say, put your stamp on it, or we make excuses or um, put up barriers to what we think God might be calling us to because of how we picture it, right? I can't be a sister because this is my picture of sister and it doesn't match this thing that I'm called to. So tell me a little bit about what that looked like specifically in your story. What was the picture you had of sisterhood and what was it that finally broke through uh, to, to enable you to discern the sisterhood for yourself?
1: So I had never actually met sisters until after college. And so when I first met them and was instantly attracted to them because I felt like, wow, they're just like me. Like they like kids, they play sports, they're missionary like, wow, that's so awesome. Maybe I should know. Because the image I had was that they were these super holy, pious women. They prayed all the time. You have to obviously dress a certain way, um, do what everybody else is doing. And so my fear was, you know, I would lose my sense of identity and my freedom. I wanted to be me. Mm -hmm. And honestly, one of my biggest fears was I didn't want people to look at me wearing a habit and automatically think they knew who I was. I didn't want them to already assume, oh, she's like this, this, and this. I'm like, no, no. I want you to know who I am, not who you think I am based on how I look. So I had a lot of, a lot of doubts and uncertainties. And I just, yeah, I was afraid of having to conform to something that I thought I wasn't. And so really the breakthrough came. Um, I ran away from God for about five and a half years. But in that process is when I found Vitas, our volunteer program. And I'd always wanted to go live in another country and volunteer ever since I was in high school had been a a desire of mine. And so then, you know, many years after college, that that call came back to me and I just got online, found volunteer programs and Vitas with our sisters was one of them. And the reason it attracted me is because our volunteers live in community with our sisters. So I said, this will be perfect. I'll get to live with the sisters, but I am not the discerner, I am the volunteer. (laughs) And this will give me a real inside look to what the life of a sister is like. And I went down to Central America, committed to a year. And at the end of that year, I said, I'm not ready to go. My heart wasn't ready. I couldn't make a decision still. And I said, I'm gonna stay as long as I need to until my heart is ready to say, yes, Lord, here I am. I am ready. And it came about eight months into that second year. And I just finally just felt like I can do this. Like, I love what I'm doing. I wanna do this my whole life. And it wasn't, um, I came back and it, it would be nice if everything happened. Well, everything I, I I kind of did happen really fast, but not the way I thought it would. But anyway, I got to where I'm supposed to be.
0: <laughs> now, Sister Sydney, one of the, the maybe challenges to volunteering, to going out and spending a year in that kind of uh, ministry and discernment, is that there are expectations, maybe it's familial expectations or societal expectations th- that kind of lay out our path in front of us that most of the time, if we're not paying attention, we just take that next step and keep f- going down that that path that's been laid out through these mm-hmm. expectations. What does it take, both for you and your story, and as uh, as you watch others in your role as the director of Vides? Um, what does it take to shake up the status quo and the norm, to make that first step, to say, "Okay, I'm going to commit to a year outside of this this path of expectation, and let myself go into the unknown."
1: Yeah, and I think one of the the biggest questions people will pose my fam- my own family did at one point, you know, why do you have to go to another country to serve people? There's plenty mm-hmm. of people in need in our own country, and and I think that. You know, when we understand the universal nature of the church, you know, I can be in El Salvador, I could be in Madagascar, and it doesn't matter because that is where Christ has called me to serve his people. And so so taking that step and going outside of what is already expected of you, I think is a lot easier for today's young people. Today's young people really desire to make a difference, and they are willing, and, and this all obviously comes from people in a socioeconomic class that are able to take kind of a break and not go to work right away, right? Um, if you don't have a lot of college debts and you're not having to work right away to pay them off. Um, but I think they're much more eager to do something radical because they, they realize I have my whole life to work. Mm-hmm. So why get started now? And, and so I see with today's young people that, that they want to do something like that. And that it's not something that's too different from what's expected of them. Um, and so it is, there's always a tension between, okay, well, my parents want me to do this, but this is in my heart. Yeah. And I think that any good Catholic family any good Catholic parents are going to tell their kids, we're going to support you. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we wish you would start paying us back for all this money that we gave you <laughs> when you were in college. But, but if this is really where you need to be right now, we're going to support you. Yeah. Um I think that's so important when the parents are able to say that, because sometimes it's the parents that give the most um, pressure about their expectations.
0: Well, and I think part of that is because we as parents, and I say, I say this is a, a father of, of eight uh, kids that I used to say eight kids at home, but I've got one that's out discerning right now, which is a, a little bit of a... Uh, a challenge. Um, But we have our own expectations, right? We've poured out our life to get this kid to where we want them to be. And we look at them and and we say, well, you're still not ready. I've got to put you back in the oven and bake you a little bit longer, right? (laughs) Um, and, And maybe part of that is this thought that we, as the parent, have the responsibility to make sure that our child makes it to maturity rather than realizing that we prepare them as best as we can. But really, this is God's job to get them to the place where they live out their vocation.
1: Yeah. I think it's harder for the parents than the young person, honestly. And even for a vocation, Mm -hmm. you know, some young women that we'll talk to and they will say, you know, my parents don't support this. And one of the things to remember is, well, you know, it's because it's not their vocation, Yeah, their vocations to marriage. And so they obviously, that's what they think you're going to do. And so they don't understand because that's not their vocation. And so, yeah, it's super important for parents to be supportive of their children, whichever path they choose.
0: So this is a great um, a great segue, Sister Bernadette, to move into discerning our vocation. So we have this program, uh, the the Fiat Project, which I'm going to put a link to our, over on our social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle's at outside the walls. It's a little bit of a long URL, but I'm going to get you there. Um, you have this this program that allows a young woman over the course of eight months in community with others, in a guided process and with spiritual direction to go through those steps of taking stock of their life and spending time in prayer and in discernment and submitting not their plans to God, but submitting themselves to God uh, for the purpose of him directing them as he will into that thing, that vocation that will give them the most satisfaction in their life because it's how he made them. So, this process is really created uh, to take the stress out of discernment and to provide a really clear pathway and pull out all of the objections and the, I don't know how's Um, what does this eight month commitment look like? How is it parsed out? What are the, uh, the connections to community? How do they work with spiritual direction? What is the whole ecosystem of discernment look like in the Fiat project?
2: And with the FIAT project, one of the beauties, as Sister Sydney was saying before, is that they're living their current life wherever they're at. So we're not asking them to come to live in a convent with us for eight months or to go live in a community with other young women for eight months. Their community, for many of them, is going to be on Zoom, on, online, where they gather together. And they one of the beauties of being on Zoom is that we can reach young women in many places where we're not located. So you can be in Oklahoma and join us online. You can be in South Dakota, wherever you're at. Um, so we have cis, we have young ladies joining us from different places, uh, even in Canada, too. We had some participants from Canada this past year. And so they're gathering once a month. We gather on Zoom. And that's where the discussion portion happens. Uh, so ahead of time, we send them some formation pieces that they watch. And then after the, they watch the formation pieces on their own time, then we gather and have conversation and that's where they really get to dive deeper and realize that they're not alone. I think that's one of the main things is that so many young ladies think they're alone because they you know oftentimes you don't find anybody else that's open to discerning and you think right. you're you're the only one. I know I thought the same thing myself. And so having that community even though it's a online community, it's still a community. And for some of the places where we're located, we actually have groups that do meet in person. So in San Antonio, we have a group that meets in person. In Colorado Springs, we have a group that meets in person. Um, maybe We might have one in Laredo, Texas, too, depending on the numbers that we have. So in those areas where they can meet in person, they do. Um, in between each session, they meet with a spiritual guide for accompaniment. And that's where they just dive deeper into what we spoke about in the previous session. And, um, and then on top of that, we're just really asking them to commit themselves to prayer in whatever way they can gradually so we don't expect everybody to be doing a holy hour after their first session for some of them if they are doing a holy hour already they can keep on doing it but if they haven't done one before maybe start 10 minutes yeah so we meet them where they're at and gradually help them to just make uh, to have a more holistic life centered on christ in their current state of life so again um you know just helping them to to number one allow God to love them so that they can in return, share that love in where they're at right now. Um, And then being prepared for whatever vocation he's calling them to. And that vocation that he's calling them to, you know, every vocation is beautiful. Mm -hmm. No vocation is holier than another. The holier one for you is the one that God has called you to. So helping them to discern what their heart is made for. Yeah. Is their heart made for to be in a relationship with one person for the rest of their life, that's marriage. Yeah. Yeah. If their heart is made to be expansive, to love many people and to love the person that's in front of them at that time, that's the heart of a consecrated religious, where you're not committed just to one, but the one in front of you at that time is the one that you need to love with the heart of Christ and um, helping them to understand that, you know, that's what a consecrated religious does. Um, So, yeah. So that process again, it's, um, it's, gradual. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, we laid out to them saying, okay, this is what we're going to be expecting you of you. So if it's if it's not ready, if you're not ready for this right now, it's okay. Yeah. Uh, maybe consider doing it later. So that's why we really, it's not really as much for 18, 19 year olds who are still kind of so fresh. Um, more we we say after maybe a couple of years of college or if you're working for a few years, that's the time when you really um, are ready to ask God even bigger questions mm-hmm. uh, and just open up to him more.
0: Let's look at some of the common objections that someone might have. Um, let's start with, well, I, I I don't really have the finances to be able to, to get into a program like this.
2: Oh, this one, there is no, there's nothing holding you back because we just run off a of donation. So whatever a participant could donate is what they give. If they can donate $5 a month, that's what they give. If they can only donate $5, that's what they give. If they can donate a hundred dollars, that's what they, so it, we're, we're very open uh, because we've realized that there are so many young people out there who uh, finances are, are holding back. So we've made this very affordable uh, because we just want them to be able to, to really uh, be accompanied along their journey. And I know there are a lot of programs out there that cost a lot more, Mm -hmm. and um we're you know if you don't have that that economic you know uh freedom there then you it's just hard so this one there's no nothing holding you back yeah and the sisters that we that are part of this you know um we uh we make time for the young people yeah so yeah um, so don't let money be an issue
0: (laughs) the second objection that i would look at is someone saying i'm not I'm not spiritually holy enough to do this. I, you know, I'm doing the best I can to try and make it to mass Uh, as often as I can. Maybe that's just twice a month. I I don't feel like I have a prayer life set up for this. I'm just not holy enough to do this kind of discernment. What would you say?
1: Well, I think we're never going to be holy enough. And if we keep waiting to reach that perfect holiness, we'll probably be at our funeral. Mm -hmm. So that's, A valid reason not to do this in the sense that we do ask the young woman to commit to a deeper prayer life. And so if somebody's not ready to be going to mass every Sunday and spending extra time in personal prayer, then it might not be the right time to commit to a discernment program like the Fiat Project. But nobody should ever wait until they reach that state of perfect holiness, because Trust, trust me. We're not there yet either. <laughs>
0: well, and I've, I I, I asked this question purposefully. I think part of that is um, sometimes we say, well, I've got to, I'm going to set this goal for myself and I'm going to do this for so long and then, I, and then I'll start, right? I'm going to go to mass every uh, week for a year. And then I'll start. And then maybe you miss two weeks and maybe you have a setback and then you never go. But being in that community saying, okay, I'm going to make this commitment. I'm going to set that goal. And then being in this monthly community, that, that has inertia to it that then helps you meet that goal that if you waited out until after you achieved it to move on, you, you never would.
1: Yeah. And there's people holding you accountable. So during the meetings, we do have small groups every time and the participants always stay in that same small group for the whole eight months. So they get to know each other. And so that would be definitely a space where those other young women would hold you, hold you accountable. Like maybe you're not going to pour out your soul to everyone in the small group setting, but you're going to kind of feel like just listening to other people talk and what they're sharing. Like, oh, man, I'm really falling short. I got to step it up. Um, so it definitely does help in that sense.
0: We're talking with Sister Sydney Moss and Sister Bernadette Moda of the Salesian Sisters of St. John Bosco of the Western Province, talking about their program, uh, The Fiat Project. We've got a link to it over on our social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle's at Outside the Walls. And it is a beautiful eight-month program for Catholic single women in their 20s and 30s to help guide them through the discernment process. If that intrigues you and you want to know more, well, registration is now open, and the deadline to sign up for this next session is October 1st, so don't delay. There's much more to come right after this as we continue our conversation about discernment, about taking the necessary steps to quiet ourselves and to hear the voice of God guiding us into the things that He has created us for, into our vocation. Join us over on our social media, Facebook.com slash Step Outside the Walls. On Twitter, the handle's at Outside the Walls. I'd love to hear about your discernment process. How did you discern the vocation that you found yourself in? Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Outside the Walls. Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the implications of our belief on our daily life. I'm your host, T.L. And we're talking today, uh, we've got two guests. This is a rare treat for me. And we're talking with Sister Sydney Moss and Sister Bernadette Moda, both of the Salesian Sisters of St. John Bosco in the Western Province. Uh, they have... Su- the really multiple wonderful programs, but we're talking about one in particular today, and that's the FIAT Project, which is a discernment project for women in their 20s and 30s to help them discern God's will for their life, discern their vocation. Now, here's the thing, and we talked about this a little bit earlier, but I just want to make sure that we get it out there. Every one of us has a vocation. There's one, the universal call to holiness, which applies to all of us, but then we have a particular vocation that comes to us uh, through our confirmation, we're given a charism, we're given strengths, strengthened by the Holy Spirit to live out uh, this life of being a missionary disciple. And then this vocation expresses itself in various ways. Uh, the, the, of course, we have the priesthood, we have religious life, we have married life. These are all specific ways that God calls his people to live, uh, but not universally, right? We got the universal call of holiness and then specific vocations that he gives as he wills. So, This program, the Fiat Project, uh, is specifically for young ladies to help them go through a process over the course of eight months in community, but a virtual community online, uh, to discern their vocation, whatever that may be. Sister Sydney, you were talking uh, during the break. Sometimes we think, um, well, I can't do a discernment project because that's just for sisters, and I already know that that's not for me. Um, And I don't want the sisters to strong arm me and try to make me into a sister, right? So what would you say to that person who might be a little bit reticent to go through a discernment process because they don't fully understand what that process would look like?
1: Yeah, I feel like discernment is a really scary word for a lot of young people because it is so closely associated with becoming a priest or a sister. And if I don't want to be a priest or a sister, then I don't need to discern. But that is not true. Uh, discernment is for everybody to be able to discern God's presence in the everyday. Uh, our lives are so busy and we never take the time to quiet ourselves and really listen to God. And so that ultimately is what discernment is, is stepping away, finding that moment of solitude to really just be able to have a conversation with God, to really pour out your heart to him and then to listen, because that's what sometimes I think we forget to do is to listen to him. So when I truly enter into discernment, I'm, I'm talking to God about my feelings, my thoughts, my desires, but then I listen to see what his thoughts and his desires are for me. Um, so that's our goal. That's what we hope to do because uh, all the women that we've met and, you know, so many young women we've met over the years, not just from discernment programs, that they, they so much want to do something good for the church, but they don't know where mm. and, and they, they think well, to do something really good for the church, I have to become a sister. No, you don't. Like we really need good, holy marriages and good holy families. And how beautiful that will be that your witness, if that's what God calls you to. So discernment is for everybody and really just that time to be able to commit to to prayerfully listening to God.
0: that listening is a difficult thing because we are trained. Uh, to fill up every moment of silence, right? We get in the car, we turn on the radio. For those of you listening on radio, thank you. Uh, We, you know, we, we uh, sit down and, you know, if we're watching a movie at night, we've got Netflix on and then we see something in the movie. We're like, where did I see that actor? So we pull out the phone and we look up internet movie database. And like, we have filled every single moment with active stimulation. Um, So, how do you and how does the process, specifically a process that is done and largely online, how do you encourage and facilitate and foster opportunities for silence and listening?
1: So each session we, we begin with prayer and not just, you know, our Father, how Mary, Glory be. Right. But it's, a, it's a deeper prayer that's going to be focusing on the theme. And then we have a good committed 15, 20 minutes to doing Lectio Divina together. And so, taking a scripture passage that specifically relates to one of those different topics of discernment, vocation, God's call, um, struggling, uh, listening to God, whatever it may be. So, we're we're creating that time and space in which, even during during our meeting, there's built in moments of prayer, silence, and reflection. Um, one of the sessions, like instead of going to small groups and actually sharing, it's going to small groups, but you have quiet reflection time for yourself to work on what we just did so you can process. Mm -hmm. And then we're not going to share this time. It's just for you to have this quiet time realizing that some of them might not take the time later for that silent reflection they need to do related to that session. But then it's, it's inviting them really, you know, we're asking you to commit these eight months to making a much more intentional effort of discerning and listening to God. And so it's very much a personal commitment that they will find those times in their day um, to, to create silence and create moments of prayer. And so then when they meet with their spiritual guide each month, that's kind of one of the things you check in on, you know, how are you doing in your prayer life? Um, where do you feel like God is talking to you during this time? And honestly, some of them it's, say, well, it's in nature. And it's like, great, beautiful. Go for a walk every day. Okay. And don't, don't put your AirPods in or be talking on the phone as you walk, just, just walk and just be totally aware of your surroundings. So, you know, helping them to see like, I, they might, I, I can't sit in a church for more than five minutes without going crazy. Then don't go to the church and sit there to pray. Right. You need to find your way that you're going to be able to pray. So that's one of the things we try and help them do.
0: So this, your way is something I'm really curious about. And Sister Bernadette, I want to ask you, um, my first encounter with you, was several years ago at a, uh, a VBS out in rural Colorado. Uh, you were wearing your habit and a cowboy hat on top of that and this brightly colored something for the VBS. Uh, and so my picture of, of Salesians is a sister in a habit and a cowboy hat playing soccer with a whole bunch of kids gathered around because that's, that's kind of the charism, as I have mm-hmm. seen it, of the Salesians. But someone, that might not be their way uh, they're, as they're discerning their vocation. Uh, maybe they're discerning religious life. They're saying, you know, maybe I do want to, to be in consecrated religious and not in the vocation of marriage. But this is a program run by Salesians, and that charism doesn't really fit where I feel God calling my heart. Maybe they're called to a, cont- a contemplative order, to the cloister, maybe to a teaching order that, that's uh, more the traditional classroom or or even uh, upper, uh, you know, older kids. What does it look like for that person coming in through this program run by the Salesians if they are discerning something other than the Salesians? Yeah,
2: so, so through this program, we really are helping them to discern God's plan for them and accept it as their mission. So whatever that plan is for them, if they are called to religious life with another community, we want to help them figure out where that is. And so like in our first program that we had, our first cohort, we did have a young lady who entered with us. We had another young lady who entered with the Franciscan community. We had another one who's discerning cloister life. And so all those are great. And we're saying amen, you know, and we had some who, when they first came in, they were really thinking about religious life. And afterwards they said, oh no. I'm called to married life. And we said, amen. You know, and, and so they're all beautiful vocations and there's different ways you can live out your vocation um, now. And then, you know, in your bigger vocation, whatever that may be too. So we're not trying to bring in young ladies just for us. If they're a good fit for us, then we really encourage them to, to maybe take a step with us afterwards. If their personality, I mean, you know, God has given everybody that, that cares and that gift that unique personality if they wouldn't fit in with us, they would not be happy with us. So we want to help them go where they would be happy. Um, so, yeah, so uh, a big part of our charism, again, is accompanying young people in discerning their vocation. That's, that's something that the Holy Spirit has gifted our congregation with, and that's why we're so excited to do this. Uh, so it's not just for us. It's for the church. And so, yeah, so we want them to go wherever God's leading them to, and that's our joy to help them to figure that out.
0: Now, it's your joy to figure that out. And it's coming up soon. You've got a new cohort starting in October. Uh, yes. And we want to make that available. If you yourself are interested in going through this eight month process of discerning your vocation, you're a woman in your 20s or 30s, this is it. I've got a link on our social media Facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle's at outside the walls. This fiat project may just be for you. Uh, maybe you want to do some volunteering and that idea of going overseas and and helping serve the church just really kind of resonates with you. We've got a link that, to that as well. That's uh, the VDES, Or maybe you're already in your vocation and there's just no way that you can really change that. Congratulations, you are living out that married life. Um, but you see that need. Well, listen, some people, as we said earlier, they pay what they can. Maybe they can't but you can, maybe you want to help support that Fides project or, uh, the missionaries who are going out and giving a year of their life. You can do that as well by going over to the, the Salesian website, SalesianSistersWest.org. So Sister Bernadette, we heard a little bit about, uh, Sister Sydney's vocation and her way of coming into a place and discerning through Fides that she was called to the sisterhood. What did that look like for you to get to this place of going through discernment, trying to hear the voice of God and having it end up, because as you said earlier, you started out saying, God, I want to be anything that you want me to be except for a sister. What was that change like? How did he draw you into this, this charism of religious life with the Salesians? Uh,
2: so I was very involved in campus ministry and young adult ministry uh, throughout college and thereafter. Um, before that, not so much involved in the faith, even though I would go to mass every Sunday and had no you know, no problem doing that. Um, before that, I was just very involved in sports, um, and I spent a lot of time, most of my time geared towards sports, and that, that was pretty much it. But uh, through Canvas ministry, through young adult ministry, I just really began to love the faith even more, and I had some really great friends who were Protestants in college who helped me to love the faith even more because they would ask me questions and I couldn't answer some of their questions. So I would go and research so that way I can find and respond to them. And so, yes, I I love my Protestant brothers and sisters who helped me to become a good Catholic. And, um, but it was going to a World Youth Day where the first time I saw young sisters and young priests, I had no idea they existed. And at World Youth Day, um, I just had a profound experience in adoration where I knew how much Jesus loved me, and I knew how present he was in the Eucharist, and I knew he was calling me to something more. But like I was saying, but I didn't want to be a sister, and I flat out told him that. And so instead, um, after college, I decided to go do missionary work. So like Sister Sydney, I did a year of lay missionary work, but I opted to stay in the United States for the missionary work that I did because I did not want to learn another language because, uh, you know, El Español was muy difficult for me. And so I said, you no, know, if they send me to a country where I, I have to learn the language, I would just die. So yeah. let, send me to the U S someplace in the U S and I, um, but unknowingly when I signed up for that, I ended up signing up to live in a convent for a year. <laughs> uh, so I thought I was going to go work and live with other volunteers who were working alongside the priest. Um, and they said, "Well, yes, you do that if you go overseas, but if you stay in the U.S., we put you with our sisters, and you're going to go live in a convent in Tampa Bay, Florida, in the inner city." And so that's where I went. So, um, so I had again firsthand experience of what it would be like to live in a convent, but but not being a, an official discerner, I was just a lay missionary volunteer, and so in a in a way, that was the best worst mistake I ever made because I didn't yeah. <laughs> I I, That was, again, total mistake. I didn't intend for that to happen. uh, But that's what happened. And that's what God knew I needed, because I wouldn't have put myself in a convent just like that. And so after that year, I was still kind of reluctant to, um, to entering, but in deep in my heart, I knew I needed to do that. And it just happened to um, that a community of Salesian sisters was right near my home, my hometown. um, And I went there and I saw there are young ladies in formation who are training to become sisters. And I said, oh, wow, they exist. Yeah, like yeah. there's young ladies who are in formation. And so it made it a lot less scary to yeah. see other young adults who are in that journey already.
0: Both of you have brought this up. Um, you can't discern what you don't see, right? <laughs> if, if you don't have, and th- this is even a, a kind of a Jesuit idea as well, an Ignatian idea, that you have to be able to imagine something to be able to put yourself in it before you could ever actually realize yourself in it and see yourself there. So uh, for those obviously um, who are old enough, the encouragement is go and be a part of, of the Fiat pro- Project or VITAS. But for those who are younger, uh, if you could speak to your, your elementary self or your middle school or high school self, what would you say to someone and how would you encourage them to find sisters so that they could see sisters so they could discern whether or not even at an earlier age what God might be calling them to do.
1: there's some great websites that do have like a one place to shop to find out about a lot of religious orders the CMSWR is a great one the conference of major superiors of women religious in the U S. And so it's like on that one website, you can click and read about hundreds of orders, which is how I started my closet discernment. I would visit that website all the time. Um, so that's a really good way to, for a younger girl to expose herself, just to know what's out there. And some have really great websites and it's like a lot of fun, like, Oh, look at the pictures and (laughs) this is what they do. And so I would spend lots of time on there.
0: I would then say then I would uh-huh. that that specific uh, that specific organization as a father of a uh, a preteen girl they also have print uh, directories that they will send to you.
1: Yes, yeah, there's a printed. That's right. There you go. If you need the print version, you could ask for it. Otherwise, it's all virtual. Um, but then you know, if there is a, a religious order that looks like wow, I would love to get to know them. A lot of them do have programs. And so, for example, as you said, you met us when we were doing a VBS in Colorado. And so those, a younger girls, you know, come to summer camp with us. We also have a sleepaway camp in Northern California. Like what a wonderful experience. They can come and actually live with us for a week out in the woods in California and just do all the fun camp stuff, but also all the spiritual stuff with us. So those are great, great ways to be exposed to sisters. And then I think I would tell my younger self would be, um, As you're growing, discovering your gifts, your talents, you're learning so much to realize that it's not meant just to be used for your own glory, because um, it's so easy to be like, oh, I'm a good artist. I'm a good athlete. I'm good at this. Um, But to recognize that God has given us those gifts to use them to serve other people. And so as they are developing those gifts to really for them to recognize, why does God want me to be good at this? there's a reason. Mm-hmm. And it could be that, you know, if he calls me one day to be a sister, there's a certain community that is also really good at doing that. And I need to find that community where I'll be able to use those gifts that he's given me. Um, I, I never thought about that when I was a kid. Yeah. I guess I, I probably don't think about it much now either, but <laughs> I should. <laughs> um, yeah, I was
2: going to say, we also, um like for... A young lady who is thinking about the Salesian Sisters, and maybe she's younger, elementary age, something like that. We're doing a, a virtual Marian club that we're starting up soon. Sister Sydney, when does that begin? October 2nd. And it's for boys and girls, ages oh, yeah. 5 to 14. Boys and girls. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And so when we get offline here, you're going to give me the link and I'm going to put that link up on our social media so parents can find that and enroll your kids in that project. Uh, We've been talking today with Sister Sydney Moss, who's the director of VDES, and Sister Bernadette Moda, who's the director of mission advancement for the Salesian Sisters. Uh, Find their website, SalesianSistersWest.org. Thank you both for taking the time to be with us today. Thanks for having us. If you missed any part of my conversation with the sisters or you want to go back and listen to it again or share it with someone, you know, maybe who is considering a vocation, well, have no fear all of our episodes are archived over at outsidethewalls.com while you're there there's an extra segment with the sisters available to all those who support the show through Patreon to learn more about our Patreon support community that keeps us on the air and uh, enjoys wonderful benefits and extra segments uh, just go up to the top right hand corner of that page outsidethewalls.com there you'll see a link that says support the show hyphen patreon click that link and learn all about that community and consider joining their numbers Now, let's go ahead and turn our attention to our readings from Scripture and church history. That's the sound of our Verbum library launching up. Verbum helps you read Scripture in light of church teaching, letting you jump straight from the Scriptures into the magisterial documents, the fathers and doctors of the church. Learn more at verbum.com. Our reading from Scripture today comes from the Feast Day of St. Matthew, from the Gospel of Matthew chapter 9. As Jesus passed by, He saw a man named Matthew sitting at the customs post. He said to him, Follow me. And he got up and followed him. And while he was at table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat with Jesus and his disciples. The Pharisees saw this and said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? He heard this and said to them, Those who are well do not need a physician. But the sick do. Go and learn the meaning of the words, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. That reading comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 9, and this goes back to that point that we were talking about with Sister Sidney. You do not have to have it all together in order to answer the call of God. Matthew is still sitting at the customs post. This is the tax collector's place, the one who is considered a traitor to their own people. And he hears this call of God inviting him into relationship and deeper connection and belonging. And he follows. He drops everything and follows. So wherever you are, wherever you find yourself, if you hear the voice of God tugging on your heart, annoying you, doing whatever it is that the holy spirit does, saying to you, come follow me. You have an example and permission to drop everything and to follow after that crazy voice beckoning you out into the unknown. And yes, it's crazy. And yes, sometimes it seems foolish. You know, there there have been times that I have been looking at difficult decisions and realizing that if I were to follow the thing that I thought that God was calling me to, it would look absolutely bananas from the outside, from anyone else, even not even outside the faith, from outside my own perspective and outside my own mind. It would look absolutely crazy. And then you look at the lives of the saints, in this case, St. Matthew, but also St. Francis of Assisi, St. Uh, Teresa of Calcutta, all of these people who heard the voice of God and against all odds, against all better judgment, said, yes, I'll drop the things that are comfortable and familiar, and I will follow you into the unknown. And you look at their example and the things that God was able to do through that radical obedience. And it is heartening, I hope. But it's also just amazing to look at the lives of the saints. And he's calling you into a vocation that's uncomfortable, perhaps but ultimately fulfilling. So spend time in silence, call on the intercession of the saints, but know that you have precedence and permission to do that crazy thing of abandoning yourself to the the voice and the call of God. Our reading from Church History today comes from a sermon on pastors by St. Augustine. This is a a longer sermon that's broken up into multiple parts over the course of, uh, I think, maybe even two weeks in the breviary. But this one today just really kind of stands out to what we've been talking about. I shall lead them forth from the Gentiles, and I shall gather them from foreign lands. I shall bring them into their own land, and I shall feed them on the mountains of Israel. It was God who brought forth the mountains of Israel. That is to say, the authors of divine scriptures. Feed there that you may feed in safety. Whatever you hear from that source, you should savor. Whatever is foreign to it, reject. Hear the voice of the shepherd, lest you wander about in the mist. Gather at the mountains of holy scripture. There are the things that will delight your hearts. There You will find nothing poisonous, nothing hostile. There the pastures are most plentiful. There you will be healthy sheep. You will feed safely on the mountains of Israel. And I shall feed them in streams and in every inhabited place in the land. From the mountains which we have shown you, there have issued the streams of the gospel message because their voice has gone forth Into the whole world, and every habitable place has become pleasant and fertile for grazing sheep. In good pastures, and on the high mountains of Israel, I shall feed them, and their grazing ground shall be there. That is, the place where they will rest, they will say, I am happy. They will say, It is true, it is clear, we are not deceived. They will find rest in the glory of God when they find rest in those grazing grounds and they will sleep, that is find rest and they will rest in good pleasures and they will be fed in rich pastures on the mountains of Israel. I've already spoken of the mountains of Israel, the good mountains to which we raise our eyes and from which may come our help. But our help is from the Lord who made heaven and earth Let us not then place our hope in the good mountains themselves, but let us rely on his word, which says, I will feed my sheep on the mountains of Israel. Let us not merely remain on the mountains themselves, for he added immediately, I will feed my sheep. Raise your eyes, therefore, to the mountains. Whence comes your help? But take note that he says, I will feed, for your help is from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He concludes by saying, And I will feed them with judgment. Observe that he alone so feeds his sheep, in feeding them with judgment. For what man can judge rightly concerning another? Our whole daily life is filled with rash judgments. He of whom he had despaired is converted suddenly and becomes very good. He from whom we had anticipated a great deal suddenly fails and becomes very bad. Neither our fear nor our hope is certain. What any man is today, that man himself scarcely knows. Still, in some way, he does know what he is today. What he will be tomorrow, however, he does not know. Hence the Lord, who assigns to each what is owed him, feeds his sheep with judgment, giving some things to one group and other things to another, And to each his due. For he knows what he is doing. With judgment he feeds those whom he, being judged himself, redeemed. Therefore, he himself feeds his sheep with judgment. That reading comes from a sermon on pastors by St. Augustine. And we don't have enough time to really break this down in a way that it deserves, but what I will point out there is at the very end. We don't even know ourselves, much less what will be tomorrow. But God does know. God knows what he has called us to be, and he gives to each of us what we need. He gives us the, the personality and the giftings and the calling that will make us not only happy, not only joyful, but also deeply fulfilled. When we hear that call and answer that call and drop everything we have to follow after him wherever it is that he leads us. Remember, if you're a woman in your 20s or 30s who is discerning God's call for your life or you know someone who is, direct them to the Salesian Sisters Fiat Project. Find out more information over on our social media, facebook.com slash Walls On Twitter, the handle's at Outside the Walls. Today's show is brought to you by Phil and Tina Parker and all of those who support the show through Patreon. Go to outsidethewalls.com, click that Patreon link,